1: 13 after 10 o'clock, so you heard that those uh, just some of the reflections from uh, the rest of the listeners uh, from the first hour of the show. We're going to continue the conversation into the second hour now, and we're just trying to take stock of where we are, and in particular, reflecting on this disconnect. So, so what is our perspective as South Africans as we sort of get closer and closer to the, to the 2024 elections. Because, you know, we're expecting that that election is going to be held before the end of May. I think the, the absolute cut of time is the end of May. So we sh- we would have had an election by the end of May next year. Now, it's important that as many people in this country... Participate in that election because that's how democracies work. But we are seeing this disconnect, disillusionment, some will call it voter apathy. I don't want to be prescriptive about. What it is, because that's why we've called on our guests to be part of the conversation in studio. The editor of Maverick uh, Citizen is Mark Hayward, but you'd also know him as an individual that has been a long time voice for uh, the causes uh, within civil society for a long time. Mark, good morning to you. Pleasure to have you in studio this morning.
2: Good morning, Kathy. It's great to be here and to be with you again.
1: Professor Begitemba Mgomezulu is Director of the Center for the Advancement of Non-Racialism and Democracy at the Nelson Mandela University. Professor Mgomezulu, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning, Mrs. Kete and good morning to my two colleagues and good morning to of listeners. And Dr. Anthony Masha is a social realist and academic based at the Walter Sisulu University. Dr. Masha, good morning. Good morning, Cathy. Good morning to my two colleagues and good morning to the audience at
3: large.
1: I think maybe let's let me begin with our guests that are on joining us via the phone lines. And I want to hear from all of you, really. How would you describe where we are as as a country when it comes to this relationship between South Africans and politics and politicians and political parties. Um, where do you think the morale of, of the country is right now? And and how would you characterize um, just just some of the features that, that you are seeing? Prof. Nkomezu, let me begin with you. No, thank you very much, uh, The morale is down, my sister, understandably so.
4: I think that uh, we started off on a quote-unquote wrong footing with the euphoria uh, in 1994 when we were having elections for the very first time. And we were of the view that things were going to change for the better. And in a way, we started off well in the sense that uh, uh, we got uh, to vote uh, for the first time and then we had to say, with the a constitution that allowed us to say certain things which wouldn't be able to say under party. So there are a couple of those things. But then we have derailed, significantly so, to the extent that uh, uh, people have lost confidence in our political leadership. They make promises, they don't deliver. Come the next election, they make even more promises, and they don't deliver. And then in the process, uh, people have been asking themselves uh, a critical question. Should I continue voting? And some of them have answered the question in the negative and said, no, it's pointless because it doesn't matter who I vote for. The situation either remains the same or it worsens. But then I, I always have a counter view to say, if you don't vote, technically we have voted, but the only difference is you have voted for people who don't like. Because if you don't vote, others are going to vote, and the people who don't like are going to continue in office. So I think it's inde- in that indebted- I mean, the situation that we find ourselves in, which in my view is as a result of lack of political education. Because if the community is not, is not educated, politically educated, that is the electorate, then of course they're going to make a wrong decisions, which they will regret down the line when they realize that the status quo, either means or it gets worse.
1: Uh, an interesting per- perspective there, Prof Ngomuzilo, about the lack of political education, because whether some people vote or not, I think what you've emphasized is the fact that there's d- disappointment with the results, it seems, across the board. And, and I wonder what role that has to play uh, in this conversation and whether it just comes down to purely political education. Uh, Political education
4: plays a critical role because uh, unless you are politically aware, the decisions you are going to take will be based on emotion. I always say if you take a decision based on emotion, either excitement or anger, then chances are those decisions will not be sustained because they were taken under wrong uh, circumstances. But then if you take a well-informed decision, no matter whether it's good or bad, uh, chances are it's going to survive because you thought it through and then you executed it. But then if you are not politically educated, it means that you don't see the bigger picture. You think about the here and now. Let's say, for example, you say, okay, this leader is not delivering, let's remove him and replace him with another one. You will find yourself in the same situation because you didn't understand the broader picture, the context. Why are leaders behaving the manner they do? Is it because of their individual failures? or is it because of the political parties, or is it because of the electoral system that we're using? Coincidentally, uh, Kathy, my uh, my institution, and my institution, the center that I'm heading, we are planning a two discussion, public dialogues. One of them is to have a relook at our constitution if indeed there is no reason why we should review parts of our constitution. And then the other one is to see if indeed it's not necessary for us to have a relook at our electoral act because at the moment we vote for the party. So if I don't like you, Katie, but I like the party that you belong to, I will vote for the party. Technically, I've voted for you. So it means therefore that as an electorate, as a voter, uh, my voice does not count because then it means the system is failing me. So Mm. I think instead of focusing on individuals, let us look at the structures and see if structures are helping us. If they are not, then we might uh, have a discussion uh, to try and reverse what we've done uh, since 1994.
1: All right. Prof Ngomizulu, I'm going to ask you just to pause your thoughts there. Let me bring in Dr. Masha to also just share perhaps an an overview and a response to uh, my initial question, Dr. Masha, of what do you make of of where we are in the country?
3: Thank you so much, Cassie. Um, I would like to also agree with uh, Professor, my landed friend, about what he has just said, but I will take it further with, with a comment that I want to make. First of all, the mood in South Africa is one of discontent, there are voices of discontent. There is a mood from citizens of gloom and darkness, and I don't blame them, especially after coming from the COVID-19 pandemic that saw uh, loss, of, loss of jobs, loss of income, retrenchment, social upheavals and all of that within the country, and in fact, internationally, let me speak. Now, there's a guest who was an SFM, I can't remember which program, called uh, SIPOMNISI, and he's an, he's an activist, and he talked about how most South African youth are not educated, that is political education, on the actual meaning of the word democracy. Democracy, government of the people, for the people, by the people. Most of our citizens actually think that the government is doing them a favor to engage in service delivery or to engage in delivering on what, what has been promised in the manifesto of the various political parties. So they sit back and wait for government to do that instead of owning the process. Now where do you own the process? You hold the government accountable. And the first premise of that holding the government accountable or the ruling party is at the polling station. Now, we complain about service delivery, we complain about corruption, we coru- complain about innate leaders and educated leaders. Brutus Madala recently wrote an article saying that most of the people in the government or in political parties are not educated, some don't even have uh, qualification, etc. etc, but Brutus fails to give a, a, a suggestion or recommendation about that, which I did eventually, albeit not in writing, but to people that have been engaging on this subject by saying maybe the solution is to ensure that people who hold political offices, and, and Kenya is a good example of that no mayor, no governor, no premier, no senator, no MP, no minister, no member of parliament in Kenya can hold office without a university degree. And that's why you find a plethora of university of, of degrees within the Kenyan Parliament. Maybe we should not copy that as such, but we we'll could take something out of that. Now, let's come to the mood of gloom, discontent, and all that. You have the opportunity to decide who gets into power. And my professor says the current system of voting for a party could be should, should, should probably be changed so that we have voting for people, which is some, what most, some other African countries are doing. But I remember uh, Honorable Gwede Mantashi once saying that when he was ex of the NC, that if they do that, the NC might strip uh, and get all the votes. So they decide to do it on, on party basis. Now, let's come to the ticket that we have to elect and employ uh, 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 people in, in government offices who are public servants, a servant of the public. Songhez Zibi, in his book Manifesto, says South Africans are highly impatient of soccer coaches who perform badly on the pitch. They get fired after two or three losses. But he says, unfortunately, on the other hand, they are so patient of political leaders who perform badly. They keep voting for them and voting for them and voting for them endlessly. So where's the problem? (laughs) The problem is not the political parties. We are the problem. We go to the polls and we employ people that we eventually say they're incompetent. The professor says that elections after elections, you see some, the people that we are complaining about coming into power. Who employ them? We, the voters, employ them. So voter education, democracy education, political education is crucial, and it should not be left to times where it's just near the election. This should be a process in schools, at university, civic education. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, to educate uh, our youth on those matters. Thank you.
1: All right. Thanks for that, um, Dr. Masha. Mark Haywood is, of course, in studio with me. Mark, let me give you a chance to have your say on this issue.
2: Well, I think my colleagues have said a great deal, and I agree uh, almost completely with them. People are demoralized, disaffected. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're losing faith in the political system they're angry, they're unhappy with their conditions, they're unhappy with the inequalities that exist in our country. Um, <clears throat> and as a consequence, uh, certainly if, if past elections are anything to go by, people are disengaging from democracy and disengaging from the electoral process. You know, in the 2021 local government elections, Cathy, uh, um, two thirds of people were registered to vote But of those two-thirds who registered to vote, one-third didn't register. One-third of people weren't registered at all. So effectively, only slightly over 30% of people voted in local government elections at all. And yet if you look at the Constitution and if you look at the legislation around local government, we all have enormous power in relation to our municipalities in budgets, in plans, in holding politicians accountable and so on and so on. So so what happens when we choose not to vote, uh, uh, either deliberately or just by not getting registered, is that in effect we give up that power we surrender that power and we surrender to the very status quo to the very things that we are unhappy with because we say that we just don't don't trust people so you know i can understand that disaffection but i think that we all need to do more to interrogate why people are saying I'm not interested in voting, why I'm not trusting people. And that's why I think, you know, as we sit here now, you started by saying the next election should be uh, by May 2024. That means we've got 10 months and counting. And everybody is saying that this election is a critical election. I don't think there's anybody who disagrees that this is a, a, a definitive, going to be a definitive election. But are we going to just... Uh, keep on summarizing the negativity over months and months and months, or are we going to try to re engineer the way we think about two thousand twenty four to bring in these millions of people who are disaffected at the moment and I think you know that 's one of my and your responsibilities as as the media it 's a responsibility of activists it 's a responsibility of academics it 's a responsibility of any person who believes in our country and who believes in our democracy, not just to talk down at people and and, and lecture them and say, you should vote, it's your democratic duty, etc., but to actually engage with the nitty gritty of why people are unhappy. We know young people, I mean, I saw a, a report, in fact, uh, fr- from the South African Human Sciences Research Council, something like 98% of people who are turning, who are going to turn 18, are questioning whether they want to vote. That's 98%. Now, I don't think we can just condemn the young people. We need to go and hear the young people and then say, well, what is it that this – how does this give you an advantage? For me, those are the critical questions. I don't want to be back chatting to you in June – 2024, and we've had an election, and then we look and we say, gosh, look how low the voter turnout was. And we're back with the same politicians, with the same political parties, and probably another five years of decline.
1: And what's often easy to do is sort of go for the low-hanging fruit. If people don't turn out to vote, oh, it must be voter apathy – um, people are clearly disillusioned with the system. People clearly don't believe in political parties. Is it as as easy as that? When you have the option, I think the last time I checked, there were about 270 political registered political parties in this country. You can't tell me that there isn't an option that people look at and may find some resonance with. I mean, it doesn't have to be resonating with everything, but some kind of common ground, yeah. Mark.
2: That's why I don't like the word apathy, Kathy. I don't mm-hmm. think there's voter apathy. I think that's the wrong word. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking to people in communities. In every community I go into, whether it's homeless people who live in the parks of Johannesburg, whether it's people who are runners, uh, whether it's people working in the inner city of Hillbrow, Everybody's talking about politics. Everybody's looking for solutions in politics. That is not apathy. Mm. Uh, 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 So so, so what's driving voter behavior is not that, oh, I I couldn't care less. And uh, uh, it's dissatisfaction with the system, dissatisfaction with the options. And part of it, as my colleagues have correctly said, is from a lack of understanding. So... You know, democracy, accountability doesn't, doesn't end with the day I vote. Accountability almost starts with the day I vote. I vote and then I use my power to make sure that the politicians that I have voted for do what they said that they would do, do what I am asking them to do. But the other thing is that, that my colleagues have talked about is, you know, the importance of an informed voter. The more informed the voter is… Both about – and you said it as well – about the political parties, what they really are and what they really stand for and about the constitutional system, the democratic system. Just making people informed shifts power in our fa- back in our favor because if political parties and politicians no longer think that they can get away mm-hmm. with making promises that they have no intention of keeping – then they will start to think very, very much more carefully about what they promise and how they govern.
1: I'm going to pause the conversation here. We'll hear again from Professor Mgume and uh, Dr. Masha in a moment. I also want your contributions to this conversation. What do you think is the problem, at the heart of the problem, that we are facing in this country? And how would you describe why it is that we have at least the majority of South Africans of voting age who are eligible voters, the majority of eligible voters in this country simply not participating in the electoral system and showing up and voting. Why do you think that that is the case? We'll continue this conversation in a moment.
5: Kathy Mosasana on
2: SAFM.
1: We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're reflecting on where South Africans are as, of course, we are now actively in an election cycle and trying to gauge the mood in the country, but also what is driving um, you know, this mood and what does that mean for electoral outcomes, in particular the, the voter turnout that we're likely to see. Where are the problems in the system that we can try and deal with now so that we encourage as much voter participation as possible in the upcoming elections? Mark Hayward is in the studio with me. Professor Bekim Gomezulu and Dr. Anthony Masha are also on the line. Prof. Gomezulu, let me come to you. Um, you know, and I suppose the conversation here, uh, and to, to to the point that, that Mark was raising about how we may be mischaracterizing the lack of participation in the elections in, in this country. What's your view on that? No, thanks, Kathy. I think Mark is hitting uh, uh, the nail on the head on a number of issues.
4: One uh, being that uh, if people are not voting, they are basically relinquishing the power that uh, they are given to, uh, that is given to them by the Constitution. And then before I answer a question directly, you made a critical point when you said the last time you checked, there were about 270 political parties that were registered. And uh, just recently, I counted over 450 uh, political parties. And I just come from a panel where we're discussing the same issue uh, with one of the NGOs in the GDP, Democracy Development Program. And one of the points we were debating was whether uh, this uh, increase uh, of political parties is in fact uh, showing us that uh, we are consolidating our democracy. My view was that having too many political parties does not in itself tell us that uh, our democracy is being consolidated. Because you can have one, 150 political parties, but then the question is, are they different in terms of ideology? I've always said that the one party that I respect, even though it has no support, is the PAC. The PAC moved out of the ANC in 1959 on a clear policy issue. The ANC was saying that everyone was against apartheid, regardless of, of his or her race. And ethnicity was welcome to join the movement, but then those who were holding a different view said, "No, no, no! The liberation strategy is for black people and black people only." When they couldn't agree on that, then the PAT was formed. That was a clear policy issue. Now, come to these 270, 450 political parties, and ask yourself the question: What do they stand for? Is there any difference among these political parties? Which then answers the point that uh, a Mark is making that. uh, when people decide not to vote, some of the, most of the time it's not because of vote parties, party just because they're asking themselves, well, what, what am I voting for? If I vote for party X and not party Y, uh, well, well, what am I getting? What is something different that I'm getting from all of this? So I think for me, unless we have parties that differ in terms of ideology, we're going to see more and more people not voting. And then, of course, more and more people relinquishing their power to hold uh, their politicians accountable.
1: Th- thanks for that, uh, Prof Mgumizulu. Dr. Masha? Yes, ma'am. It, you, you, your own your reflections about how we are characterizing the problem of, of participation in this democracy?
3: I think I also agree with uh, my good-learned professor over there. And uh, I want to say, that I'm impressed that next year there is a possibility of some candidates running as independent candidates. So we'll be testing the waters in terms of, does it mean that by voting for a party, like the situation is now, is better? Or does it mean that voting for an individual is better? But I come back to what I always say. Without voter education, without educating people on the, the, the importance of voting, on the importance of them knowing that they are in a democratic society and that they are the employers of people who occupy positions in parliament. As long as we don't do that, if we vote on emotions, on tribalism, mm-hmm. on regionalism, it will not work. We need to own the process and we need to vote for the right people to be, to be in power.
1: Yeah, you it's, know, it, it's, it, it's interesting because it, it's the second time that this issue of politics and emotions is coming up in a country like South Africa. Of course, we are still a relatively young democracy. Can we talk about voting that's disassociated from politics? Uh, you know, I was listening to to to, to the news just earlier, and Every Forum now heading to court. Uh, over this issue of Julius Malema singing Kill the Boer at his rally um, just this past weekend. I mean, th- there are a number of issues, Mark, that, that one can bring up, and th- they spark a whole range of emotions in, in, in South Africans. How can that not be a factor, Um As as a 30-year-old democracy, where we have a population that is still very much living with the wounds of apartheid, where there are families, their grandmothers, you know, their parents and families that are carrying the scars of an apartheid system,
2: Kathy, it it will always be a factor. It will for many years. Uh, We can't get away from our emotions. Um, Because we feel very, very strongly about the inequalities, about the past, about the continued racism, about unemployment. All of these things stimulate emotional responses in us. I guess the question is not how do we become unemotional, but how do we vote with our hearts and our heads so that we vote emotionally, but that we also vote rationally. Because one of the problems of politics is that it's very easy for a politician to stand up there, as we keep on seeing, and promise the earth to people. And as you listen, it works you up, and you so on, You think, that is the person for me. But then you don't look deeply into their actual policies. They don't look deeply into how they say they are going to do this. You don't look deeply into their own lifestyles and question whether they live their lives suggests that they have a genuine empathy and solidarity with poor people and an interest in creating a more equal society. So for me, the question is, how do we work to shift the emphasis so that, so that, yes, our hearts are always there because it's our hearts that may get us to get up in the morning and go to a ballot box. But when we're confronted with, as we've been saying, 400 names, possibly 400 political parties, have we done a prior process ourselves to work out which one is good for us? And I think the critical thing, Cathy, is that I'm talking that you and me are the citizens here and the listeners It's it's we who should be setting the agenda for this election, not the politicians. We should start by setting the agenda now, saying we want you to deal with A, B, C, D, and this is how we want you to deal with it. That's again why if we wait until January or February next year, the clock is moving very, very fast. It will be on their terms. Now we have a chance to put it on our terms
1: I want to take our listeners on this topic and I'm going to ask our listeners just to try and, and, and keep the points as as, as short and, and succinct as possible because I would want uh, I, I want a, a quite a bit of engagement on this including with um, our guests this morning Brian in Cape Town I'll kick it off with you good morning Brian
6: good morning to you and your guests Kathy uh, you know I've listened to your uh, your guest comments. And uh, I don't particularly uh, entirely agree uh, because, you know, every single party uh, within this uh, government and including the independents, they all only agree tactically and not in principle. In other words, they they only agree. They do agree rather in maintaining the capitalist system. They all agree on that they differ on how best to manage the capitalist system. So that is, that is the, the principal part of it. The, um, the Constitution at the moment does not give the, uh, the authority to recall any, any uh, politician, corrupt politician. Uh, he can carry on no matter how corrupt he is. And also floor-crossing example... Um, my belief is that and the socialist believe is that the working class, which is the by far the biggest majority, has to continue and has to continue to rebuild the um, working class international, the international. So um, voting for the one or other party is not going to change anything. And um, we should uh, even if the vote count is very low. They, the government will have to, the people in this country would have to hold a referendum, and that is where we should take action.
1: All right. Uh,
6: oh. the, uh, the, uh, voting for the one or other capitalist is not going to make any difference, I'm afraid.
1: All right, Brian. Uh, basically, you know, uh, Brian is saying that you're looking at, you know, different sides of the same coin when it comes to the options in the political landscape. Anonymous, you're in Peter Maritzburg. Good morning. Uh, Thank you,
0: Kerry, for taking my call. Uh, uh, I I think uh, my take on this matter is the failure of uh, opposition parties in South Africa to capitalize on the shortcomings of the uh, ruling party. Uh, Because for me, they should be touching base uh, uh, with with the masses to find out what is it that... uh, the, the causes uh, uh, more people uh, not to uh, partake uh, uh, in voting because if you can look at the statistics a uh, uh, few of us uh, South Africans are voting than those that are not voting so for me uh, they, they are failing to capitalize on that to conduct their own uh, uh, voter education to educate mostly the youth about the importance of uh, 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 voting, so yeah, I think for me uh, uh, the blame is on. So,
1: the, so, 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 so anonymous. You know, the, the thing about what you're saying is that if if one party is failing to capitalize on the failures of another, what is the business case for the opposition parties? Surely, their business case should speak for itself. Because if you've been let down by a system, I don't need to come and tell you how you've been let down. You live it, you feel it every single day. But there's something about that experience that is simply not enough to make you change your mind, perhaps about how you're voting. And so what does that say about the value proposition that is coming from the opposition parties?
0: I think their manifestos, Kili Kili are not attractive to the Disgruntled uh, voters out there okay know? this is why i'm saying they, they should be touching place uh, with the masses they should be hitting the ground you know but all of them i think they behave as uh, 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 as uh, uh, i'm missing the word now as uh, celebrities you mm. know they only go to the public when it's time to 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 vote you know thank all you, right
1: uh, all thank right you. anonymous in cape town spangili good morning
5: Katie and your three guests there, and I do respect them on everything, what they've said there. Um, I hope all the opposition parties now must hit the ground and educate people what the meaning of voting. You know, uh, I'll be very sad when the next election, the ruling party comes to power and they start burning library roads and clinics and all that and complaining. It's about using our own common sense. Now we see what is happening all over the country. If people don't change their mind, and then they must not complain when they vote for the same power, the same party to come power. We must not complain. Whenever there's no service delivered, we must celebrate because we voted what we are looking for. We are looking for trouble now. The country is in trouble. All the opposition parties, especially IST, those two opposition parties, they must sit the ground now and teach the people. Everybody, even the young child born 2000, you can see now there's no job. You see, I see by EFF, there was a lot of foreigners there supporting the, the EFF and all this, but I don't understand. The EFF got no direction really uh, but what I can only say, is very important, is the opposition parties must stand up now and hit the ground and kiss the people. Okay, that is what I want to say. Thank you. All right,
1: Spangilis, we're in Cape Town. Look, I, I know that you know this allegation of there being a lot of uh, foreigners, uh, you know, at at the EFF event is something that has been doing the rounds, especially on social media. W- we simply don't know. You know, just how credible some of those claims are. It was a very packed stadium. Very difficult to say what made up the numbers of those 90,000 plus people that gathered over the weekend. Sivuyile, you're out in Poch. Good morning. Hello, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm
4: um, thanks. well, thanks a lot. Thanks for taking my call. Eh? Sure, Sivuyile, yes. go for it. Yes. Um, Kathy, um, also good evening to your, to your guests as well. Eh? Uh, I just wanted to... Uh, uh, a few things here. Um, I want to raise on the matter of opposition parties. Um, in politics, there is something
2: called fragment, uh, formal fragmentation. Um, I think it's very much important for political parties, especially oppos- able to break it down and say, but no, this is not the right mm-hmm. way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, so those, for me, are, are critical, forward looking agenda issues in relation to this election.
1: All right. So certainly a lot more than that we can keep adding to this conversation. In fact, I think that the second part of this conversation needs to look at what do our listeners say about what their top five mm-hmm. issues are in this country. Yeah. So that we're not taking an approach that says... This is what the political parties are saying are the issues. This is what the media believes are the issues. But what do people say for themselves are the top five issues um, that we need to be looking at as, as as a country? And that's something that we can drive on this platform as we edge towards the elections ne- uh, next year. So So that's certainly what we will do. In the next month, we will have a conversation that looks at what are the top five issues for our listeners that need to be, the agenda items for the 2024 local government, uh, national government elections. <laughs> We're completely out of time for this conversation. Let me thank all of my guests uh, Professor Benguim Gomez Zulu, Dr. Anthony Masha on the line, and Mark Hayward in studio. It's time for the 11 o'clock news. <clears throat>
0: The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
3: Good morning, Kathy and SFM listeners. Uh, I'd like to pose this to the guest on studio. Uh, I'd like them to elaborate more on the part where they say you enforce the person voted in power to deliver on their mandate. I want them to elaborate on, exactly immediately after voting, how do you ensure that as a vote? How do you do that as a voter? It's Kale Asami in Wheat Bank. Thank you.
5: Good, S.K.T. and the S.A. Listeners. S.K.T., with concern to voting, we don't feel like voting anymore. It was said, my, my vote is my voice, but no, I don't see it happening. Instead, communities have got to protest for service delivery. So when actually my vote becomes my voice, so people don't feel like voting, Kathy. Let them not be blamed. Hi, Kathy,
3: anonymous in Port Elizabeth. I think the I think the answer to that question is pretty simple. People do not understand uh, democracy, and they don't know how much it costs. For us to have democracy, I, I think that's where the the, 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 the the issue is is that people do not understand that they have a right to remove or to put someone in power that's what they don't understand so this, it, it gets to a point that they don't even care anymore
4: uh, good morning Kathy and the team and your guest Oscarhy look you know South Africans can no longer you know allow to be emotional um blackmailed because you know for me not voting um it's a form of um, a protest you know where you have um people who are saying the system does not work for us so it must be seen in that um particular fashion you know as a form of protest not this um emotional blackmail um people are receiving you know for example i won't be voting um in the next coming election. But that does not mean um, I won't vote in the future. You know, it's just that I have no reason
3: to vote um, in these coming elections, younger, in Rosebank, Cape Town.
7: Hi, Katie. Hi to your to the professors. Uh, I mean, personally, Katie, I think there, there should be a system. Everyone in government, that's include, that's including the any any officials in the government, um, there should be a mandate where the if you don't deliver you should you should be you should be fired on the spot. I think one of the uh, yeah, I, I think one of the professors may kind of mentioned that with the soccer analogy. I think you personally uh you should be fired. You know, three strikes and then you're fired. If you say you're gonna employ um let's say ten thousand people in your sector, I'm just making an example. If you don't deliver that, then you should be fired, you know. In any service delivery, then then you should be able able capable and able to, to deliver. Thank you. Well, Political and democratic education is critical. We all engage and understand what we do because we have the privilege to learn. And that kind of education must be on the grassroots on the people's level. It must be a privilege for everybody to mobilize. It must be in our streets, then it reaches our communities, it reaches our society, our nation, our country, and our continent, and ultimately our world. I think the streets, the grassroots is where we should begin so that we can see a, a visible activity and change this is nicky way from mangawin thank you
0: the talking point with